0: Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, UnitedHealthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
1: If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care Would you rather have wireless on the most reliable network nationwide, or unlimited with 5G for thirty dollars a month per line? You don't have to choose with Xfinity Mobile. Wireless so good it keeps one-upping itself. Most reliable based on Root's Metric U.S. report. Results vary. Not an endorsement. Thirty dollars per month per line when you get four lines. Goldilocks Productions broadcasts universal cosmic frequencies that unlock, awaken, and expand
0: the consciousness of our worldwide viewers and listeners. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Enjoy the
0: Goldilocks Productions presentation of the In the Psychic Flow Show with Carolyn Carey. Good evening, everyone. Thank you for joining us here in the Psychic Flow. Uh, We have a wonderful evening planned for you. Thank you for joining us. If you are watching on YouTube, if you could give us a like and a share uh, and subscribe, that would be great. If you ring the bell, you'll know when we go live the next time. If you're on Rumble watching us, uh, you could give us a thumbs up. That would be fabulous. We really appreciate that. If you are contributing to the show, uh, my Venmo will be posted. You can see that or uh, you can super sticker on YouTube, whatever you care to do you're not obligated we're not doing any readings tonight we're going to talk to our special guests in, in incredible depth and you will be uh glued to your seat so it's going to be great the uh the other thing i wanted to say briefly was um my website is on here Careycom also uh my venmo is on here dash carry and if you are listening, if you're listening to audio, we have several audio platforms that we are on. Uh, I think Google Play is one, uh, iHeartRadio, uh, there are several on here. Uh, is it Spotify? Yes, yeah, Spotify. Quite a few. So if you're driving home from work, you can still listen to the show. Sometimes I put a show on and do dishes or whatever, you know, and I'm still listening to a newscaps or uh, YouTube or whatever. So without further uh, nonsense for me. I'm going to bring on my very special guest, Mr. Carl Petri, who is uh, an author, a magnificent psychic, an independent filmmaker. And we are so delighted to have you with us, Carl.
1: Welcome. Oh, thank you. Love this show.
0: Oh, are you <laughs> nice. He's, Carl is always very generous. Uh, I find you very generous in your uh, in your commentary and what you say, what you share with your audience. Very humble uh, guy with the incredible... And kind of, uh, I want to say unique, but the word I want to say is probably outstanding and kind of (laughs) crazy. I hope you're not insulted by that. But I feel like it's, I don't know anybody else who has the abilities that you have. It's crazy. You're a psychic clairvoyant. You do psychometry. You uh, write wonderful books and stories about your work, how you started, what happened? You've been like this since a child, since childhood, independent filmmaker, Requiem for a Vampire. I mean, it list goes on and on of your accomplishments. It's crazy, Carl. Mm-hmm. Crazy. What do you have to say to that?
1: Well, I'm a well-rounded man.
0: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. And I bet. And how is your lovely wife? It's Susie, right?
1: It's Su- uh, yes, it is. And uh, she's working with some clients tonight.
0: Uh, good. Well, I don't expect her to abandon all of her people to to come on the show with you, but I, I do appreciate that she came. It was kind of interesting to get her take uh, with her background. She's an accomplished author in her own right. Yes. And isn't she into in psychology?
1: She's a psychologist.
0: Psychologist. Yes.
1: Right. So
0: it's interesting what she must think. Well, obviously she loves you. So. <laughs> Right, but it's interesting to see what she thinks about it, and that was a fascinating show. What was that last year, I think? Right. And a fascinating show with her take. So, yeah. I appreciate her,
1: yeah. When uh, you know, she may have a problem, whatever, uh, in her field, she may ask me to help her out, which I do, of course. And a lot of times, it's a very positive thing, it works out well.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you're tremendous help in that kind of stuff. It's another perspective, correct?
1: It is. You mm-hmm. know. but you know, it's it's strange when you have this ability to do these things. Uh, you would think, well, it's wonderful, but at the same time, it doesn't work out like it should. And I'll, t- I'll tell you why. A friend of mine, his house was broken into a couple of times, and he lives in the you know the central part of New Jersey. And he just couldn't understand, you know, who was breaking into his house. So I said to him, I'm going to describe some people for you. And I described young men, what they looked like, how they spoke, how they dressed. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, do you know these people? And he said, yes, I do. I said, they're your next door neighbors, aren't they? And he oh. goes, yes. I says, so I could see them breaking into your house. He goes, well, how did they get in? I said, you're sliding doors in the back of the house. And he goes, I had problems with those doors. They wouldn't latch. All of a sudden, they wouldn't latch. I said, that's how they broke in. Oh. And I told him you know, how they went through the house, what they stole, and all that. They went with it. And he says, but they're very poor people that live next door. I said, well, not now, because they sold <laughs> all their jewelry. And uh-huh. the next day, these young men that did it, they drove up with a brand new car. So they had enough money for a down payment. Oh, wow. And he goes, everything you said about them, the way they dress, the way they look, how they spoke, everything, he says, was absolutely on the money. But I but- just sit it from my house. I could just hear him on the phone and I could see everything.
0: And... uh you were born this way, or yes. you grew up this way,
1: correct? In right. New Jersey? Yes.
0: And, and that had to be odd. You didn't share too much of that with people, did you?
1: I couldn't. I grew up in uh, in Newark. You open up your mouth and you say, I could see this, I could see that. You get a fist in your face. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it doesn't work. And my father was very, um, he was a disciplinarian. And believe me, he was not going to hear any nonsense about his son, who can hear these things or see these things. That's a no-no. My father's a World War II vet. And the last thing he needs is his son, you know, talking like a maniac. So yeah. that, that didn't work.
0: And you're a Vietnam vet yourself.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Yeah. Thank you thank you both for your service. I can understand your father's trepidation, but has his opinion changed? Well, my father passed away. Oh, okay. Yeah. So well, do, you, I do you have conversations? His- Excuse me. Do you have conversations with him?
1: No, no, I don't. Oh, the okay. people I want conversations with, they don't appear to me. Okay. The, the strangest people who I re- barely know, they come to me. Mm-hmm. So it's really unfair. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you um, uh, outlined uh, several of your experiences in your first book, Absent yeah. Witness. Right. And talked about working with a very uh, uh, well-known, uh, as well, British uh, para- a psychic.
1: Yes, Paula in uh, right? Roberts. Incredible. And as a matter of fact, is coming this month. We'll be working together on another case. Um, that is a pretty heavy-duty case. Mm-hmm. I mean, people believe, or people, uh, they have this understanding that maybe people like me or Paula, we run out there to look for ghosts. Well, we don't do that. When people have actual problems, they call us. And their thing is, please keep it quiet. Don't talk about it. And then we go out there, and that's what we do. For example, let me explain how that works. Let's say there's a house, and people are having problems in the house. Or in this one particular case, an office. Uh, these people had an office in Manhattan, and every time they get people to work there to paint the walls or to do the floors or whatever, halfway through the jobs, they would put down their equipment and run out the door. And they wanted to know why all these workers that were coming there were doing that. Mm-hmm. So they, they said that um, they called everybody they knew to check it out. They couldn't get an answer, so they called us we asked them to make two diagrams of the office. So they did it on like graph paper where the little boxes are and they, they etched it out. So I was given a copy and Paula was given a copy. Paula would leave the room and I would walk into the office and I would just walk around the circumference of the office. And every time I felt there was, a problem or something there, I would go on the diagram and I would mark an X. Mm -hmm. And after I did the whole office, I would leave. Then they would send Paula in. She never saw anything that I did. And she would go inside the office and she would put her X where there was a problem in different parts of the office. And when she came back, we both took our piece of paper and we showed it to the owner. And the owner says, this is amazing. He goes, the X's are in the same spot. Wow. You two are absolutely in sync with this. So uh, we would try to explain to him what we believe it is and how to get rid of it. And I guess it worked because he never called us back. That's incredible. It's not like, um,
0: what would I like? It? It's not like taps. No. Or go Sunday. It's not nope. like that is what you're saying. And um, you, you are very generous with your time and uh, helping. And you do no research before you go no. there, right? You oh, don't know anything it. about it.
1: That would ruin it. Yeah, yeah. And you now some people could be actually very cruel. Um, I was invited with Paula. This is in Manhattan. Uh, one of the major networks, uh, their anch- anchor woman was having a Halloween party. So she invited both Paul and I to go to this. So we went and we're mingling among the the guests and we're having a good time. And so this woman comes up to us and says, when are you going to start? We said, start what? She goes, well, aren't you going to do readings for everybody here? We didn't know that. We don't know anything about that. And she said, Well, why do you think I invited you? <laughs> and so
0: Paula. A <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: Paula says to this woman, She goes, I do readings. He does it. You better hope to God he doesn't give readings because he t- says it like it is. He has no filter. He'll tell you exactly what's what. And you don't want that. And so the woman was very, very angry. It's like what I wrote in the book. The juggler didn't show up. The piano player didn't show up. The clown didn't show up. So here we got these psychics. And they're going to entertain our party, which we knew nothing about. Yeah. So we actually sat down for dinner and at this long table. This woman was so upset. As we started to eat, she said, that's it. She says, it's all over. Everybody, you're going to have to leave. Because we had no idea about doing readings. So everybody's like moaning and groaning and they put their forks down and they start filing out the door. As they are, this very attractive, tall, blonde woman ran up to me and she grabbed me and she said, I got to ask you a question. I said, what's that? She goes, my brother is missing. Mm. And she says, we don't know where he's at. So I looked at this woman, and remember, she is blonde, fair-skinned. And now the woman who invited us to the party, she's in the kitchen listening to what's going on. And I said to her, is your brother black? She said, as a matter of fact, he is. I says, okay. Then I started naming towns in North Carolina. I said, do they mean anything to you? She goes, well, that town is where he's from. Then I named another town. She goes, that's the town where his girlfriend lives. And I said, now there's a very heavy-set black woman on the porch with a bunch of kids running around her. And I described the house and the woman. She goes, that's his grandmother. And I mm. said, contact his grandmother. She'll tell you where he's at. She goes, well, where is he? I said, he's in jail. I said, oh. he's all right, but he's in jail and he's so embarrassed That he doesn't want anybody to know that he's there. Oh, thank God he was all right. (laughs) Oh, he was all right. You know, so the woman that took us, that told us to come to this party, she comes out and I look at her and I said, I'm sorry, we're leaving. We're leaving right now. So she got a show that she didn't expect. And we walked out the door and I said to the woman, if you need any more information, I gave her my card, call me. She never did. The man was in jail in North Carolina. Just as I told her, just looking at her, I knew it. That's amazing. See, I, I don't
0: think I, I, as much as I enjoy your company and I met your lovely wife on, on our show, uh, I don't know if I'd want to be at a party with you, Carl. <laughs> I don't know if I want you looking at me. You know what I mean? And seeing all this going on, but I, I'm just kidding. It is, it's a burden and a gift, uh, right. which I, I I assume. Right. How rude to invite, did she think you were going to get paid? Is there compensation? Were you just be, you know, if you're going to, what do you feel like a circus monkey or something? I mean, that's, that's not very fair, right?
1: No, it's not. And people think that you could turn it on, you know, like a switch. Yeah. And there are people yeah. out there who on command, they'll tell you anything you want to hear.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we were, uh, Paul and I were doing a, uh, uh, this, reading, or I should say it was an event type of thing for the British Broadcasting Company, the BBC. Mm-hmm. And as we were doing this, well, I'll tell you the story behind it. Um, a woman invited us over to go through the BBC, told us to go to this apartment house in Manhattan and go inside this apartment house and tell us what's going on there. So they have cameras they have two cameras, one on me and one on Paula. so they separated us, and Paula went first, and she went through the apartment. And I didn't know anything what she said. They wanted to keep it quiet. This was a test by the BBC to see how good we were and then they told me, "Go around this apartment," which I did and then, after it was all through, they said to me. Tell us about this apartment. And I said, it's not good. I said, there was this room, which was like a living room. I said, there was a desk. And I showed where the desk was. And I said, there are file cabinets all around the perimeter of the room. Huge file cabinets. And they said, yeah. I said, it is totally filled with kitty porn. Oh, no. I said, it's it's tons of it. There's probably tons of it in here. And I said, and, and the man sat in this this desk. Well, the thing is, the man got married to this woman, and he said he has a business that he wants to run out of her apartment. He never told her what the business was. All she knows was that he pulled in all these cabinets all around the perimeter of her living room. Oh, no. And so after they told me uh, what, what I believe, uh, what happened there, I left. Now the camera's following me around. Then Paula came in and they said, Paula, what can you tell us about this? And she's very prim and proper, very British. And she said, well, she goes, hmm, something really bad's in here. The person that ran a business in here." is a very, very bad person. And she went into details and she wouldn't want to say exactly what he did. And they said, well, Carl told us what he thought the man did. What do you do? And she says, compromising photos of little children like that. So they knew. She, She knew right away. Wow. So shortly after, a woman came in, the man's wife. And she came in and the BBC said, this is what they said. And Carl said his desk was right here, right in the room. She goes, that's exactly where his desk was at. And she's, he said that there was file cabinets all around the perimeter of the wall. She says, that's true too. Also in the basement, there was more stuff down there. Oh, man. And she goes, one day I just came in and I opened up the cabinets to see what, what was in it. And when I found out, she goes, our marriage ended. I called the police. There was a big dumpster in front of the apartment building. And we threw everything out. She says, cabinets, everything, his desk, everything into the dumpster. She says that he was quickly arrested and taken away. And she said, everything you said, everything was absolutely correct. That's incredible. But these are the kind of things that. People like Paula and I see we go. So someplace... it's not always,
0: uh, excuse me for interrupting it
1: for a moment. It's not
0: always warm and fuzzy. As yeah. a matter of fact, it can be, it can be quite uh, upsetting, I would think, and yes. uh, difficult for you to process. Oh,
1: sure. Because it stays with you. I yes. mean, uh, after I left there and after Paula left, it doesn't end. As I'm trying to sleep at night, I see what this guy's doing. I hear what he's talking on the phone, oh. and it goes on and on for days. You just don't walk out and it's ended. It Doesn't work that way. Yes, you do have the if people uh, that are
0: listening or watching uh, on Rumble or YouTube don't understand uh, your you have retrocognition, right? Uh, psychometry, but do you the, a tremendous clairvoyance. Something mm-hmm. I've. Abilities that I have never known another human, frankly, to possess. But, you know, that's just me. But this is what I believe. And uh, to be startled into being in reality and then seeing something that you can't stop. Like, you know, it's not manageable. Well, I guess it is manageable for you now. But it's got to be both frightening, disturbing, and distracting. And uh, you must see the worst of people. I hope that you get a chance to see some of the good of people. Usually not.
1: It's usually the bad side of people. Mm-hmm. And uh I recall uh the government had an interest in what I was doing because I was working with um Ingo Swan, the remote yes. viewing yes. person. And uh they wanted to test me to see if I could use my abilities for the government. And uh I was tested and Uh, They have a special way of remote viewing with longitude and latitudes. But the minute the man said, all right, I want you, the minute he said, I want you to tell me what's at these coordinates. When the words came out of his mouth, I saw it. And so he started naming all these numbers and latitude and all that. It didn't make a difference. And he's telling me, all right, what do you see? And I says, okay, I'll tell you what I see. I went into great detail about, it was an island, and I talked about the buildings, the roadways, the color of the houses, everything about it. And so Ingo, who was standing next to me, he put a big smile on his face because I guess they discussed what place they're gonna talk about. And the man said, you got it. That is exactly what I want you to see. And then he said, Did you get it because of the longitude and latitude that I gave you? My answer was no, because I have a problem with numbers. Numbers to me are like blah, 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 blah. Numbers mean nothing to me. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) (laughs) And so he was very disappointed. And he goes, we can't use you. Engel said, we have a way of doing it and you're not doing it. I said, but did I get it right? He goes, yes. Was there anything I said that was wrong? He goes, No. I said, But you can't use me. He goes, Yes, we can't use you. But it didn't really bother me because I could still remote view when I have to. And that freaks people out too. Yeah. You don't want to remote people, you know, let them know that you're doing that.
0: Here's an interesting question How do you uh, meet somebody for the first time? And try to make social conversation without spilling the beans that you can see, you know, four generations back in their family. How do you, what do you
1: do? Um, anyone I meet, I could tell you about their past. Everything about them. Except there was one person that I could not read and it freaked me out. And that was John Zaffis. You know, John Zaffis was the museum in Connecticut of haunted Items. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Right, he uh, had a TV show about haunted objects and things. Uh, I went with Rosemary Allen Guiley. You know, she's a author of Paranormal Things. Mm-hmm. And she wanted to go to his place with me. And I could walk through his museum and I could tell him what objects had problems. So we went there and I did it very well. I freaked him out with everything I knew about the items. And then I realized I could not read John Zaffis and it scared the hell out of me. And I pulled Rosemary to the side. I said, I am being freaked out because I can't read him. Mm-hmm. I cannot read him. And she says, well, what do you mean? I says, I, I, I can't see, I just see him as you do. And I says, how do you people live like that? You just meet people and that's it. <laughs> I said, I, I, I don't know how you do it because I can see everything about these people. Wow. And why do you suppose that was? I don't know. Um, uh, I know that he has his family has been involved. Uh, his aunt is Lorraine. Um, Lorraine and Ed, the, the the ghost hunter people. Oh, uh, okay. That that's his relatives. Oh, I see. The okay. Warrens, you know, and uh, he grew up with that. And for some reason, I couldn't read him. I have no answer why, because I never met anybody. I couldn't read. Hmm.
0: Do you think maybe, um, that was some kind of protection for you? Maybe you weren't supposed to read them
1: to this day. I really don't know because I never met anybody. I couldn't read.
0: Were you uh, touching the objects in this, uh,
1: building or just reading them by looking at them? Occasionally, you know, I would touch them, but for the most part, it didn't have to, Mm -hmm. um, there was two things that were in the uh, museum that gave me a problem that were very scary for me. There was a photograph of four women just standing together. And I said, Oh, this, this, this is bad. And I said, these women are bad. And there was a rock. I said, this rock is very, very bad. And at the whole museum, it was the picture in the rock. There were dolls, there were clowns, there were wedding dresses. And yeah, they had their their problems, but not like these women and not like The Rock. So Rosemary is looking at me like, why is this picture of four women freaking you out? And I said, "Um, these women are evil. They're sadistic. They like to torture people and small animals. They like to torture animals. And John Safis said to me, he goes, My mother knew these women, and it's exactly what she said. They are so evil. Wow. And it says it comes through on the photo.
0: Yes, that's so, another thing that um, you're reading, and it's is it what would you call that? Because you're not touching it, right? So it's not no. psychometry. No. Just clairvoyance? Yes. Clairvoyance. Okay.
1: And I did, could did, did, hear I could hear their voices. I know what they sound like. I know everything,
0: so that's quite a burden um, for a gentleman like yourself. But it seems like you have you manage it very well. Uh, it's not it's you know everybody wants to be psychic and develop your gifts. I would consider this more of uh, an obligation that you have uh, and a gift to humanity. But I don't know what it does for you, <laughs> you know. But you write about it very well and share it with us. Very generously, what uh, what turned you on to now writing uh, S- somewhere the dead are singing?
1: Well, what kind continu- of title are we talking about here, Carl? <laughs> it's a continuing uh, continuation of the first book, and it goes into a lot of details about dealing with the uh, uh, with the dead and spirits. Because uh, how many times I am in a sense, interacting with them, especially my grandfather who died in 1945. It was a surprise that he wanted to meet me. It's like he was waiting to be, have the opportunity to speak to, to somebody like me, you know, two generations later.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he, he was explaining things to me. And uh, he's a, he was a coal miner in Pennsylvania. Oh, mm-hmm. and he spoke broken English, but he was a very proud man and very super American patriot, by the way. Yeah. If anyone his broken, you know, English, whatever, if he heard you speak bad against the United States, he'll knock you on your butt. He was that type of guy. Good for him. Oh, yeah. He was violent about that. Don't ever yeah. talk bad about the country. But uh, twice I met him from the other side. And... The first time we sat in this house with other coal miners and it was like forever. They were telling me what they do, how they mine the coal, how they get paid. It was the most boring thing I ever heard in my life. (laughs) And they had a bottle of whiskey and they had these four glasses look like uh, the old jelly glasses and they're pouring this whiskey and they're drinking this whiskey. I sipped on it, but they were drinking it down like nothing. And they're going into details, all these details about coal mining. But finally, I said I have to go, and I left. It's, I write about that in the book. Mm-hmm. And the last time it was the um, he wanted to introduce me to his friends at the beer garden, which is a tavern or a bar. And um, he was speaking Polish, and I could understand a lot of Polish. Okay. So as he's talking, I'm getting a good percentage of what he's saying. And I'm there like, you realize this man is younger than I am now. Wow. And he's saying that this is like my cousin. Introducing the new loaded scratchers from DC Lottery. These scratchers are loaded with cash prizes of 50, 100, 500, 1500 and five thousand dollars and chances to win up to $250,000. These games are absolutely stuffed, jammed, overflowing. You might even say, Loaded? Play the games that are packed with $7.5 million in cash prizes. Get your Loaded Scratchers today. Because he can't say, this man who's older than me... His- right. Oh, I see what you're yeah. saying. Yeah. So... um but, you know, I wrote about that and, you know, the sadness of, about it later what happened. So, um, yeah, it, it's, it's quite a, um, it's a quite a strange way of living. Yeah. And sometimes people put you in a position where they want you to do stuff and because they know you could do it. Like um, this one woman who was an actor that I had in a in a movie. She says she has a feeling that her fiance is cheating on her. And I said, I don't want to get involved with that. No, 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 I don't want to get involved with that. She goes, please. She says, remember, I'm going to marry him. So I said, okay. So I sat there and I said, he drives a Toyota truck. She goes, yes. I said, it's a Tacoma. She goes, yes, the man's an attorney. Okay, I said, he has one of his clients in the truck, and they're going to a motel. Oh, no. (laughs) And I said, I'm not familiar with your area where you live, but I described the hotel. uh, I mean, the motel. And she goes, I know exactly where that's at. Oh, boy. So I says, okay, well, now I told you. Well, that night she went to see him and she said, now, what's this I hear? I mean, she took my word for it. She goes, what's this I hear? You took one of your clients in your Tacoma and you went into this motel and she started telling about this. And he goes, oh, so you hired a private investigator to look, to watch me. She couldn't say, well, no. Carl saw it from, from his living room, you know, but uh, and, and I saw it. And the same thing. Another time, a, a woman was. We were on a uh, at a show, and we were promoting one of the films. And she said that my boyfriend's sick, and he's home, and now and then he calls me to see how I'm doing. I couldn't help but I started laughing. And she goes, "What are you laughing?" I said, oh, "It's nothing." She goes, "Why are you laughing?" And I said, "Well, maybe he's not home." She goes, "Well, what do you think he is?" I said, I think he's down the Jersey Shore. Oh, She goes, no. I says, yeah, it could be wrong. You know, it definitely could be wrong. So she calls him up and she says, where down the shore are you? And he oh. goes, Seaside Heights. I knew it. But see, rather than say, thank you, Carl, for telling me this, it's sort of like, now I got to watch out for Carl because he can see this stuff. Right. So right. It's
0: your cover's blown there, Carl,
1: you know, right. they know. Right. So they're very leery. They're kind of upset about things. It's a lose-lose situation. Yeah. Definitely a lose-lose. Is that one of the reasons
0: that you don't do, you don't do personal readings? You assist
1: no. when you are asked to. Right. In, I, I will uh, not do readings. Mm-hmm. Because another thing is people... The minute you say something, they think you spent all night looking on the Internet to get all this information. As if you could find this on the Internet, you yeah. can't. It's, it's not there. And so you do it. Let's say if you start to do a reading. And you hit the nail on the head. They're very angry. Because you're telling things that they were trying to hide. Right. 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 And you uncovered it,
0: yeah, and we they
1: don't like that,
0: and you're like uh when i'm uh, when I'm reading about you and from talking to you, uh my impression is you're not here to people, please, at all, it's right. just what you see is what you get there, right, and um that's gonna be it's you're sort of like a sledgehammer in right. a way, you know what I mean, and that's not for everybody, is it
1: no and um the things that when I go places, I see things like uh, I wrote about my uncle's house that mm-hmm. it was built in the 1870s. Um, and I went there and I came home and I tried to sleep at night and I saw them building his house in 1870. Wow. I saw how the horses were bringing in the beams, how they were putting it in, in place. And then I saw them, uh, this man and his son putting together a gas lamp because back then they had no electricity. They had pipes that came out of the wall and they would put gas lamps in it. And that would be your light. So, and I, he, the man is showing his son how to build this lamp. Now th- there was no cardboard back then. They had uh, wooden cases with ex- excelsior in it, like uh, shredded uh, straw. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And all the pieces were in it. So, He's taking it and he's showing a piece by piece how to build it. Then after he did, it would start all over again. And he would show him how to build it. And then it was start all over again. So in the course of a night, I watched him build that maybe 30 times. You try to sleep and you're watching a man building a gas lamp 30 times. Wow. And then he was always end by saying, you have to keep the wick, the wick low or else you burn it out okay so okay now finally after about a week i stopped seeing him building the lamp but it just so happened maybe a few months later i was at a hardware store and this polish guy owned it and i was looking for some electrical plates i was doing some work in my house so as i'm bringing the plates up to get to pay for them this man walks into the hardware store. What one of these gas lamps. Oh, no. All in pieces. So he says to the man behind the the counter, he goes, hey, Stash, do you know how to build these things? And the man (laughs) says, how old do you think I am? He goes, this is a gas lamp. Buy an electric one. What are you, stupid? He goes, no, I'm trying to restore this. I I, I would like you to, to do something about this lamp. He goes, I don't know how to do that. I walk right up to the box. Pulled the pieces out and I built it as fast as my hands could move. Wow. And I ended by saying, Keep the wick down or else you'll burn it out. (laughs) So So there is a practical point to this. There was. And so the guy behind the counter says, Hey, it looks like you built this your whole life. I says, In a way, I did. Yeah, that's amazing. And they all stared at me walking out the door. Oh, I'll bet. They had no idea how I knew how to do that. That's amazing but that's just a typical
0: thing how how did you come up with this title which I love by the way it's fascinating uh, what is can you tell us what brought you to
1: that title about uh, somewhere the dead are singing yes well um, as, as you read the book you'll see that I get into different situations you know with the dead. And it's sort of like they're not really dead. They're probably in another dimension. Yeah. And they're probably living a life that they always liked here on earth, whatever. And so they're enjoying themselves Mm -hmm. and they're not sitting on a cloud playing harps. They're not doing that. They're going into their world that made them happy. And they all get together, whatever. And they're probably around singing and like I said, is at the end of the book, you know, um, somewhere the ghosts are singing and sometimes I could hear them. That's beautiful. I think that's
0: beautiful. I, I love the title. I think it's great. I, I just, I, it's a great, uh, the second book is more about more unique stories or a little bit uh, unusual, would you say, or right. more in depth? Yes. And um your and about the social club ghosts, I had written about that. Right. And uh, what was the other thing about, um, I forget what the other thing that drew my attention, but was there something about activity, uh, haunted activity? Oh, a burial. That's what it was that you saw a burial. Oh, that was uh, my time slip. Oh, that's time slip. Oh, okay. Did you want to talk about that new book you're working on?
1: Well, Sure. Okay. Um, I had a time slip, which was terrifying for me. Absolutely. Oh I mean, I could handle ghosts. I could handle most anything. But a time slip scared me unbelievably. Uh, I didn't want to talk about it. Um, yeah. I was drawn into the cemetery. And uh, after hearing the song over there, the World War One song. Yes. And it was blasting through my head. And I was waiting for somebody, I was meeting somebody on the side street, and they got me to walk into the cemetery. And when I did, I looked in all the tombstones that were in a distance, that were in present, were gone. They were trees. And I looked in the front where they have an iron gate now, they, it was wooden. And then I looked straight ahead and I saw them, there was a burial going on. This is what's scary about it. I started to walk towards the burial. The people that were there, the ministers stopped speaking. The people turned around and watched me. And they all stared at me as I was walking behind them. Oh, my goodness. So it wasn't like I was invisible. I was there. Isn't they that something? Me. You're like no, a no.
0: voyeur in, in their life. I, I'm wondering what they're thinking.
1: Well, especially the way I'm dressed. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm looking at them, how they look. Yeah. I'm looking at the clothes. And let me tell you something back then, the way people dress is not like Hollywood. The clothes the women were wearing, they were, um, it looked like the clothes were made out of a very thin fabric and the colors were washed out like watercolors, nothing vibrant. At all. Hollywood makes everything vibrant. Right. Back then, it wasn't. The women's dresses had mud that extended from their feet all the way, maybe at least a foot above. Wow. So they were walking through mud and it was splashing on their clothes. The men's shoes were very crude. And once again, they had mud all over it, all over their pants. And the shirts and everything were wrinkled. Everything was wrinkled. And I'm looking at this in, a, in my mind, trying to get all the details of what I was looking at. I was, and the minister had a hat on. To this day, I can't find a copy of that hat. I've been looking at different um, encyclopedias or whatever, trying mm-hmm. to see what ministers wore back then. Right. In the late 1700s, 1800s. And to date, I have not been able to do it. It's a very unique hat. And when I say it, I'll be very happy because it was very unique. Yeah. It's a uh, validation
0: too, right? Yes. for you?
1: Yes, it is. Yeah. And I was listening to what the minister was saying. And he said that the man that died was a soldier of the revolution. Mm. Wow. Which is something you don't normally hear. We say right. a revolutionary war soldier. Right. He said a soldier of the revolution. Wow. So when I had the guts to go back to that cemetery, which is over a year later, because I was afraid to walk into it, uh, I went there and I saw the man's name was Baldwin. And there was uh, a little marker that was stuck on his grave by the daughters of the American Revolution that he was an American soldier that fought Mm -hmm. during the Revolutionary War. And the year was 1810. Mm -hmm. So my time slip went back to 1810. So how did you get out of this time slip? All of a sudden I heard this high pitched, shrilling sound and everything started to to go really quick. The tombstones appeared, the the fence turned back to a a normal fence and I got out of there as quick as my legs could carry me. Wow. And they were, of course they were gone. And Mm -hmm. I was so terrified of that, that, I knew sometime in the future I was going to write about it and ask other people about what their experiences were. And I'm getting marvelous stories. And the thing is, you can't fool me. I know if you're lying Mm
0: -hmm. and I
1: know if you really had it. And the first woman I spoke to about it, she was absolutely terrified as same as I was. And she gave me details of what happened to her and this happened in Vienna. Austria and uh, this book now is going to take me to uh, to England yes
0: yes you had visited before right and had an experience
1: right uh, about that well no I I went to Stonehenge I went to these other places but now I'm going to Liverpool where they have uh, time slips happen quite often there and I'm going to go on the street where that happens and Hopefully, I'll get the assistance from the uh, from the local authorities.
0: Why do you think that is that they have so many over there so many Don't times? No,
1: neither, neither do they. Uh, there was one case where um, the police were chasing a man down this one particular street in Liverpool, and the man ran into a store. And as the cops were following him in, all of a sudden the store changed, and it was the mid 1960s. The man stopped because he saw everything change. The police stopped in their tracks looking wow. at everything because now it was the mid 1960s. The priority was not to catch the bad man now. It's like, where are we and what happened here? Yeah. So they were frozen in fear, just like I was. And eventually it came back to normal. But I'm going to try to find out if I can what it could possibly be because we're not talking about randomly a couple people saw this. A lot of people have experienced this. And a big question is how many people were stuck in the, in a uh, time slip, but never came back.
0: Yes. Well, look at how many shows there have been. Remember in the sixties, right. well, not just the 60, but how many movies and TV shows like the time tunnel. Right. I write people get that. That's their fear. They're going to get stuck there yep. and they can't make their way back.
1: Exactly. Hmm. Now, I'm very fortunate along with this other woman that I spoke to. We made it back. Yeah. How many people don't? And mm-hmm. if you do go back and if you start telling people a couple hundred years ago that you're you from the it. future, mm-hmm. they're going to throw you in an asylum. Right. They have no patience for that. So right. you have to keep your mouth shut if you want to exist.
0: Do you think it has anything to do with, um uh we were kidding on a show. We had a meeting or a show or something. And we were talking about, you know, losing time. Uh Some of the show hosts and myself, we were in Tiffany, our producer, you know, so you we're losing time. We're like, I think I lost a week. I mean, I think I announced three times that you were coming and it right. wasn't anywhere near. The time for you to be here. Right. I felt like I lost a week. And and so did everybody else. And I'm thinking, I know that's not the same as what you experienced, but we were kidding. Is this a time slip? Is it because of the energies? Is it because is England that paranormal that it's that's the kind of experience you would have here? Does that happen here? I mean, what do you what's your best guess there? What do you think?
1: At this point, because I, I've just started writing the book, I'm not that deep into it yet. Uh, I believe it has something to do with dimensions. Okay. We're slipping in and out of different dimensions, and that dimension could be a past time. I noticed that the time slip that happens, let's say in my case, it was the cemetery that I was in. The woman in Vienna, when her time slip happened, it happened in that particular theater. Oh. So it's not like, here I am in New York City, walking down the street and I get a time slip and find myself in Sarasota, Florida. You know, it happens wherever this time slip happens, happens on the ground that you're walking on. So you're
0: walking into the history of that particular location. Right. Okay. Fascinating. What would happen if you were a scary thought? Maybe I shouldn't, I was going to ask you, let's, let's say that you, um, went to go visit uh, Pearl Harbor or something, right. would you be enmeshed immediately in what was going, what happened that day, December 7th, all those years ago? Would you be seeing that?
1: Oh, well, I'm sure you would be if it happens to fall in that day. But a time slip doesn't mean it's a. it happens at a historical time. Like oh, I, I could go, if I'm in Pearl Harbor visiting, if I have a time slip, doesn't necessarily mean December 7th, 1941. I could be in Pearl Harbor on June 15th, 1936. Okay, got you. The TV shows like The Time Tunnel, every time they went back in history, it always happened right before a tragedy or something like that. Historical events happened. The first episode of The Time Tunnel, they landed on the Titanic. Oh, wow. On April 11th, I believe. Yeah, yeah. One day before hits the iceberg and sinks. It just so happens to be the Titanic. But in real life, maybe it wouldn't be the Titanic. It would be another ship or no ship. It could be just Belfast or wherever they happen to be. Hmm. You know, so we don't know that. Uh, Hollywood likes to put us in the middle of some great happening. Right, but that's not always. That doesn't always hang true.
0: What? Uh, how long are you going to be? When are you going to go to England? And what do you hope? What are the things that you hope to find? Are you going to interview people? Are you going to? If are you I going can. to be brave and and try to experience this again? I'd be kind of cautious if I was you.
1: Well, I'm terrified oh. to get get caught in a uh, time slip. Uh, it sounds romantic to some people, but it's yes. not. Yeah. because you always fear about coming back. Uh, I spoke to my wife about, let's say when I went into the cemetery, if I go back there again, we're talking about putting a rope on me or a string or something as I walk in there. Because the big question is, when I experience a time slip, do I disappear or am I still there? Yeah, good question. And if I disappear, would it help to have a rope to pull me back? We don't know this because it doesn't happen that often. I was going to
0: ask you how do you build it? How do you make a Plan B? <laughs> you know,
1: that's it. You know, I write about if uh, my readers who read the book of if they get trapped into something like that of how they should handle themselves in that time, mm-hmm. and it goes into details that because I thought about it, how would you exist? Let's say if you were back a couple hundred years or even a hundred years, or let's say 200 years, what do you do? Remember, they have no tolerance like we have now for odd things. Right. You could be burned at the stake or something. That's right. Go too far back, burnt at the stake, hung, uh, thrown in an asylum, thrown in jail. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing good happens in a case like that. But I explain what you have to do. Because mm-hmm. I really thought this out. And, um, that, again, is uh,
0: the book that you're writing now, yes. currently, when you don't have a title that you want to share with us yet, right? I just have a working title.
1: Okay. You know, just the title. And uh,
0: uh, someone is asking <laughs> on here, Robin, one of our show hosts, is asking, what would you do if you slipped into
1: the future, Carl? I don't know if that's possible. Okay. I really don't. Uh, Everybody that I have encountered, it's always the past. Interesting. And here's what's really scary. Uh, The one group of people, well, two men that I spoke to, their time slip happening in the woods. Now, if you're walking through the woods like it is now, how do you know what year you're in? Right. If there's no buildings or anything else. How do you know if you're not walking back 300 years? Right. In their case, it happened to be about 65 years. And only because when they were hiking through the woods, they saw a 1956 Ford pickup truck there. And they said, boy, that's a nice truck. I wonder if whoever owns it would want to sell it. So after they finished their walk, the next day they went back there. And the truck was gone, but there was a dam that was built there. And they said, when did they build the dam? We were here yesterday, and there wasn't a dam here. And uh, there was a park ranger that was close by, and they asked him, when did this happen? (laughs) You know, and there was a 1956 Ford pickup here, and all of a sudden, we come back the next day, and there's a dam here, and there's a road now goes right alongside the dam. He goes... Oh, that was built in 1959. Oh, wow. He goes, the dam has been here since 59. And he says, the, uh, he said, what color was the truck? And they said, it was like a yellowish green. He goes, that was the color of the um, construction company that built it. That's the truck that they had here. Or the oh. trucks. Wow. So they had a time slip, but they never knew it because it was the woods. That's crazy. I'd be a little cautious.
0: Uh, Your first book, uh, Absent Witness, excellent. Where you really are, um, I know that you're renowned in your circle, you know. But I think it brought more of you out into the public. Would you say that? And Absent Witness kind of introduced you to the public more so. Uh, Somewhere the Dead are Singing is now. Now we're getting into a little bit more of the peculiar I would say and some advice uh for fledgling people who might experience this. And the new book, working title, I'm just gonna say time slips. Right. Uh also is going to have um experiences and advice that only you can share. Right. We really appreciate that. So check these books out. Uh where would you you can get them on Amazon? And also, do you there's a press someplace in there, press on your website?
1: Well, if just um Go to Google. You'll see all the places that are selling it. Okay.
0: And um, I I also, for those who vampire freaks out there, there's a cult movie, classic cult movie, I think that we called it, was the uh, Requiem for a Vampire, among many other uh, independent films that you've done. But I I understand that should be a cult classic. Would you agree to that?
1: Well, I thought it was a very good movie.
0: Yeah. The reviews I read of it... I'm not a vampire person myself. They kind of freak me out. In modern day New Jersey, right? That's where this takes place with the yes. family in modern. Yeah. And that sounds pretty interesting. And uh, what are, are there any other films that you, would you film some of this while you're in England?
1: Well, I will be taking, um, you know, videos and stills for the book. And see, you gotta remember that the the times have changed where I used to make a lot of films, but I don't anymore because there's no way I could sell it. Oh, uh, I see. People today don't buy DVDs. Okay. So you can't go to a show and sell DVDs if nobody buys them. So okay. how do you make your money back? Right. You can't. So every film that you do is a loser. I and see. you don't you don't make it back. And all right, so you're happy that you made the film. It may be an excellent film. They'll never be seen by anybody because if you can't sell it, they're not going to f- watch it. Would you be more?
0: Uh, you've done documentary. Would you consider it more documentary kind of work, documenting what you're experiencing? Well, or? I
1: work in. Um, I've worked on documentaries before, mm-hmm. and they're okay. But once again, you're limited to where you could actually show yeah, it, where you can put it. And the thing is, you could show it, but it doesn't mean that they're going to buy it. And the problem is, is that you work very hard on the film and you lay out the money to, to produce it. And then after it's all done, you realize you're in a hole for a lot of money. You can never get it back. True. And it's not only me, it's everyone else that I knew over the years that were making films, just don't make them anymore. Yeah. Even artists uh, that were uh, producing albums, They don't anymore because they said the minute you come out with an album, it goes viral. They put it on, they stream it. Right. And people are, um, they're listening to your, your music and they're not paying for it. So how do I get my money back on that? I don't. Right. Right.
0: That's very interesting. Yeah. It's a good point. Good point. Would you, um, we have a few, a couple of minutes is there something that you want to share about that's coming up or I know you do a lot of podcasts, a lot of radio. Thank you for spending time with us tonight. Cause you are fascinating. <laughs> Is there anything else that uh, a message that you have for the rest of us who are bumbling around in this field?
1: Well, the uh, personal appearances I used to do are, they're sort of like gone because yeah. of COVID there are very yes. few or no, um, happenings where i could go out and speak uh i occasionally will do small groups um the freemasons have been good i've been yes. able to go to their places and speak there but they're not um large venues they're not right
0: right i think but that's they happening to everybody right
1: yeah so until things get back to normal i'll sort of like be doing more podcasts and yeah these things
0: well you know that's good too and you're an intriguing guest and we're so delighted to have, have you, Carl. Thank you. Uh, it's wonderful. There's so much information on Carl. If you want to check out adult uh, cult, I was going to say adult world, occult World. world. Uh, Amazon has carries your books. You're working on your third book. Um, there's just so much out there about you. You're really respected, you know, in this field, you've worked with some great names. Right. And uh, you yourself are renowned, I would believe, and the most unusual person I've ever met. And, uh, uh, a lovely gentleman thank you so much for spending time with us oh thank you very much you've been very kind uh, no well, you're very kind mm-hmm. and your wife is lovely please tell her we said hello thank you carl i hope you come back i sure will thank you for coming on to the in the psychic flow okay. bye-bye now bye-bye bye everyone
1: share your appreciation to our show hosts by submitting a testimonial for your favorite goldilocks production show